poets and intellectuals of this time. The innovative minds. The intelligentsia. Those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers. The revolutionaries. Those living apart from this big unrest. Those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original, and brutal. You have tuned into the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready with you for another hour of poetic adventure, immersing in themes today of beauty, treachery, ambition, myth, the underworld. It's all here on the Bohemian Beat. And let's ease in with some music. But I'm scared of living too fast, too slow Regret, remorse, hold on No, no, I've gotta go There's no starting over, no new beginnings Time raises on, just gotta keep on keeping on Gotta keep on going, looking straight out on the road Can't worry about what's behind you, what's coming for you Further up the road Try not to hold on to what is gone I try to do right what is wrong I try to keep on keeping on Yeah, I just keep on keeping on I hear a voice call Calling out for me These shackles I made in an attempt To be free Be it for
Noah's first aid kit with My Silver Lining. Today we will start with a poem by the American poet Hilda Doolittle, simply known by her initials HD. She lived between 1886 and 1961. She was a leader of the Imagism movement in poetry during the early 1900s. Doolittle's style reflects Imagism's emphasis on the clear, precise and objective treatment of images, scenes and events. She was strongly influenced by classical literature, especially Greek verse. Many of her poems deal with Greek mythology. As in the following poem, Helen, published in 1928, takes as its subject the woman who has been the literary and mythic symbol of sexual beauty and illicit love in Western culture. Helen of Troy, the most beautiful woman in Greek mythology, whose abduction from her husband Menelaus by the Trojan prince Paris started the Trojan War. Recovered by the Greeks after a ten-year siege, and finally forgiven by Menelaus and returned to her former state. In the poem Helen, HD implies that the beautiful woman is always hated by the culture which pretends to adore her beauty, and that the only good beauty, so far as patriarchal culture is concerned, is a dead one. All Greece hates the still eyes in the white face, the luster as of olives where she stands, and the white hands. All Greece reviles the wan face when she smiles, hating it deeper still when it grows wan and white, remembering past enchantments and past ills. Greece sees, unmoved, God's daughter, born of love, the beauty of cool feet and slenderest knees could love indeed the maid only if she were laid white ash amid the funeral cypresses. Swam through blackened seas And the face I've never seen Well it It burns my dreams And tears old Prime's walls apart And strikes the oil and earth When I 
are seized When all injustice is relieved When all the sinners kiss the floor When perfect peace reigns on us all When all our memories are gone Like golden splinters in the sun Still a face I've never seen Rabel with Helen and before that Narupa reading a poem by HD called Helen. Helen of Troy has been referenced in many literary works. In Dante's Inferno she is placed in the second circle of hell for committing the sin of lust. In Edgar Allan's poem To Helen published in 1831 he alludes to her beauty and explores the idea of a woman's beauty both in terms of body and soul. To Helen, by Edgar Allan Poe. Helen, thy beauty is to me like those Nicene barks of yore, that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary, wayworn wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas long wont to roam, thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, Thy naiad airs have brought me home To the glory that was Greece And the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, How statue-like I see thee stand, The agate lamp within thy hand. Ah, Psyche, from the regions which are holy land. If Napoleon were here, he'd wanna find me Shakespeare's pen. Would try to outright me, but lucky they're dead, so they can't do much for you. The way that we'd meet the metropolitan center, the snow-covered streets, I dare you to enter a better scene on any movie screen. Oh, Helen of Troy, I'd start a war for you And Cleopatra, I'd burn Rome down too When I start on my speech, I try to fill in a storyline That I stole from Dylan, but quickly I'd see that he don't impress you Your black cocktail dress, the silent reminder of blue reflected in silver eyeliner, the jealous eyes as I left the room with you. Oh, Helen of Troy, I'd 
and a melody line I'd not soon forget I asked myself, was it good enough for you? You are listening to The Bohemian Beat, broadcasting nationally across the community radio network since 2007. We just heard Helen of Troy by Dan Merlider. And before that, James Good reading To Helen by the American poet Edgar Allan Poe. From Helen of Troy to Cleopatra, a queen of ancient Egypt and one of the most fascinating women in history who lived between 69 to 30 BC. She was known not only for her beauty, but also her intelligence, charm, wit and ambition. Cleopatra VII ruled ancient Egypt as a dominant ruler in all her co-regencies, first with her two younger brothers and then with her son, for almost three decades. She became the last in a dynasty of Macedonian rulers founded by Ptolemy, who served as general under Alexander the Great during his conquest of Egypt in 332 BC. Well educated and clever, Cleopatra could speak various languages. Her romantic liaisons and military alliances with the Roman leaders Julius Caesar and Mark Antony, as well as her supposed exotic beauty and powers of seduction, earned her an enduring place in history and popular myth. Shakespeare wrote one of his plays, Cleopatra and Antony, about her. To this day, most people imagine Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Cleopatra and Richard III as Shakespeare portrayed them. This next piece is excerpts from Shakespeare's play Cleopatra and Antony. Act 4, Scene 4. What shall we do, Inabarbus? Is Antony or we in fault for this? Oh, Juno. Ah, Antony... Oh, my lord, my lord, forgive my fearful sails. I little thought you would have followed. Oh, pardon, pardon. A messenger from Caesar? What? No more ceremony. See, my women, against the blown rose, may they stop their nose that knelt unto the bud. Caesar's will, none but friends, speak boldly. He is a god and knows what is most right. Mine honour was not yielded, but conquered merely. Most kind messenger, say to great Caesar this. In deputation I kiss his conquering hand. Tell him I am prompt to lay my crown at his feet and there to kneel. Tell him from his all-obeying breath I hear the doom of Egypt. Whip him? Oh, my lord! Antony has come to this. Not know me yet. Cold-hearted. Oh, Antony, if I be so, from my cold heart let heaven engender hail and poison it in the sauce and the first stone drop in my neck. As it determines, so dissolve my life. The next Caesarean smite, till by degrees the memory of my womb, together with my brave Egyptians, all by the discanding of this pelleted storm like graveless, till the flies and gnats of Nile have buried them for prey. It is my birthday. I had thought to have held it poor, 
but since my lord is Antony again, I will be Cleopatra. Call all his noble captains to my lord.
You are listening to The Bohemian Beat, brought to you via the Community Radio Network. And that was Phil Thornton with Cleopatra's Secret. And before that, Claire Lucy reading from an excerpt from Shakespeare's five-act tragedy, Antony and Cleopatra. Cleopatra is among Shakespeare's finest female characters. One moment she's playful, the next sulking, and then filled with deadly anger. Plutarch wrote about Cleopatra in his life of Antony. He writes about how her beauty and personality added to her allure. And in the Divine Comedy, Dante places her in his second circle of hell for committing the sin of lust, Canto V. Actually, there is a lot of mythical figures in Canto V of this long epic poem by the Italian writer Dante Alighieri. Dante began the poem about 1308 and finished it just before his death in 1321. One evening, Dante finds himself lost in a dark and menacing wood. The ghost of Virgil offers to lead him back to safety, but the path lies through the terrifying kingdom of Satan, where Dante witnesses the strange and gruesome sufferings of the damned. The following piece is from Canto V, where Dante explores the relationship between love and lust, between the ennobling power of attraction towards the beauty of a whole person, and the destructive forces of possessive sexual desire. Inferno, Canto V. Then I descended out of the first circle down to the second, which was smaller than the first, but held greater suffering and louder wailing. There stood Minos, grotesque and snarling. He examines, then judges the transgressions of each person who enters, dispatching the soul by coiling his tail. I will say that when each evil spirit comes before him, it confesses everything to him. This mighty judge of transgressions sees what level in hell is best fitting for each soul. And he wraps himself with his tail as many times as is equal to the level he wishes the soul to be thrust down. There are always many souls standing before him. They go, one by one, into the judgment. They speak, and hear, and then are hurled downward. You there, why have you come to this place of misery? Minos said to me when he saw me, stopping his judgments while he spoke. Be careful how you enter, and who you trust. Don't let the ease with which you entered deceive you. And to him my guide said, why are you shouting? Do not impede his journey which fate has ordained. It was willed where there is the power to do what is willed, and so ask no more questions. And then the sorrowful voices began to grow more audible to me, and I found myself where the cries were so powerful they pounded against me. I came into a place that was completely dark, bellowing as the sea does in a storm when opposing winds clash on each side. This hurricane that never rests hurtles the spirits onward in its forceful gale, whirling them round, beating and smashing them. When they arrive at the edge of the precipice, then come the shrieks, the cries, and the sorrowful wails. There they blaspheme God and all his power. I learned that this was the place of punishment for those who were condemned for their lust, who followed their personal passions instead of reason and as the wings of birds drive them forward in huge flocks in the winter months, so does that blast always propel these evil spirits. Left, right, downward, upward it drives them. They have no hope of comfort, forever, nor of rest, 
or sleep, or even of lesser pain. And as the cranes in flight go forth chanting, making in the air a long line of themselves, so I saw coming, uttering lamentations, shadows borne onward by the unending wind. Whereupon said I, Master, who are those people being punished in the black air? The first of those I believe you know, or at least have heard of, he said to me. She is the empress of many languages. She was so completely absorbed in her sensual vices that she made lust a part of her law in order to remove the blame from herself. She is Semiramis, of whom you have read. She succeeded Ninus and was his spouse. She held the land which now the Sultan rules. Next is Dido, the queen of Carthage, who killed herself for love and broke faith with the ashes of Sichaeus. Then Cleopatra the voluptuous. Helen, I saw, who caused great pain and suffering for many years, and also the great Achilles, who in his last hours fought for love. I saw Paris, Tristan, and more than a thousand other ghosts he named and pointed out with his finger, who died because of their love. After that, I listened as my teacher named the women of old and once bold knights. Pity prevailed, and I was very confused, and I began, O oh, poet, please, may I speak to those two who go together, who seem so light upon the wind? And he to me, Wait a moment, when they come nearer to us, and then you can ask them yourself how their love brought them here, and they will come. As soon as the wind brought them in our direction, I cried out to them, O oh, weary souls, come speak to us if you can. As turtle-doves called onward by desire, with open and steady wings to their sweet nest fly through the air by their desire alone, so the two came from the band where Dido is, approaching us through the whirling air, so tender was my call to them. O oh, living creature, gracious and kind, who comes to visit us in the swirling air, though we have stained the world with our blood. If the king of the universe was our friend, we would pray to him to bring you peace, since you have had pity on our perverse woe. Ask us what you would like to know, and we will gladly tell you, since the wind around you is now silent. Rimini, the city where I was born, sits upon the seashore where the Po descends with all its streams and comes to rest. Love, that will swiftly seize the gentle heart, seize this man when he beheld my beauty, which has since been taken from me. The manner still offends me. Love, that exempts no one from being loved, seized me with the pleasure of this man so strongly that, as you see, it has not left me. Love has brought us to one death, but the lowest part of hell waits for the man who killed us. They said these words to us. As soon as I had heard these tormented souls, I bowed my face and held it down so long until the poet said to me, What are you thinking? When I could answer, I began, Alas, how many pleasant thoughts, how much desire has brought these two to this sorrowful place! Then I turned back to them, and I began, Your agonies, Francesca, make me sad and drive me to weep. But tell me, when you had those sweet sighs, how did you fall victim to your own love? When did you submit to your own desires? And she to me, There is no greater sorrow than to remember a happy time when you are in misery. 
and that your teacher knows. But in order to recognize the earliest root of love in us, as you so desire to know, I will tell you even as you weep. One day we were reading for our own pleasure of Lancelot, and how love enthralled him. We were alone, and without any fear of being seen. So many a times our eyes drew together during that reading, that it made us blush and look away. But only once did it overcome us. And when we read of the much-longed-for smile, and being kissed by such a noble lover, this one, who is now always at my side, kissed me full on the mouth, and trembled as he did. The book, the writer, brought us to that moment, but on that day no farther did we read. And while the one spirit spoke, the other one wept, knowing what he had caused, and I began to feel as if I was dying, and fell, even as a dead body falls. Something that I recognize Some 
sweat in your eyes No one's ever looked at me that way This is the Bohemian Beat, and that was Matthew and the Atlas with Counting Paths. And before that, Joe Thomas reading from Dante's epic poem, Divine Comedy, Inferno, Canto 5. In Canto 10, Dante makes reference to Persephone, a goddess in Greek mythology who was kidnapped by Hades, god of the dead. He alludes to her as the lady reigning here. And the skill that is difficult to learn is returning to one's birthplace from exile. Dante lived the last 20 years of his life in exile. The myth of the abduction of Persephone hides the powerful knowledge of the Eleusian mysteries. Includes discussion of our three brains, the consciousness, the ego, the divine mother, Hades and much more. This next piece by Tia Blatt is a retelling of the hymn to Persephone by Plato from a modern feminist perspective. Tia Blatt is a Northern Rivers storyteller, poet and psychologist who has been studying Greek myth since her late teens. In her take of the myth, she adds personal experience and subjective experience in the underworld and her deep connection to Persephone, who she fondly calls My Lady. The Hymn to Demeter, retold as the Hymn to Persephone. Gather children round to hear a tale of a time before time, before the winter and the coming of spring. Cast yourselves back to the earth so abundant everything alive with gods, goddesses, and their ploys. Hear now the tale of Our Lady, none other than fair Persephone, known also as Kor, maiden, most lovely by far. In her delight for the Narcissus, she strayed far from her friends. Out alone in the meadow was accosted by one more majestic and foreboding than all of the gods, none other than Hades, dark lord of the dead. Once known as the abduction of Our Lady of the Flowers, we now know better. No wallflower her, not even astonished when the earth rent a great chasm through which he rose, our awesome collector, drawn in a chariot by coal-black steeds and beckoned to her to... Do you think to impress me with great beasts at your feet Know you not who I am? The daughter of creation. It takes more than mere beasts to tempt me, black and magnificent as they are. What have you to offer that has not already been rejected? And the lord of the underworld, of the Olympians three most formidable by far, did answer her loud and clear. But not in words for the ear to hear. His speech, 
was of heartstrings and visions of fire shadows and songs in her womb. I have come for my soul desire. I am not one for preferences of any kind. Do not take me for a fool or a wise man. I am not. I offer you not a world of creation. You will find no sweet scents or colors in my abode. I offer you honor. Be the queen of my domain. Not those blossoms of the earth will you nurture at your bosom, but her seeds in the darkness of her womb. Think you that being the daughter of Demeter makes you formidable? What of becoming the mother of she? You will know the origins of all things, the dreams and shadows before they are born, and all will call you Dark Mother, even the earth of which you come. Our Lady did hesitate, looking down at her blooms, the scent and the color of the Narcissi were sweet, it's true. But the inevitable one had no scent, no tone, and she found that she preferred it so. I agree to go with you, but first I will need to... Her words were lost to the ether that sounded like a scream. Such was the speed with which her new husband ushered her from the land of form to be on the river that cannot be crossed save by payment that reveals the soul to become escort in the shadowy realm of the underworld, custodian of the riches and the mysteries hidden there and dark guardian of its secrets like the gold hidden in the dark places of the earth, revealed he the seed essence of each original life, buried within grasp of all who seek the dark realm of Hades and his radiant wife, fair Persephone of the land of the dead and queen of the Lord who rules it. The scream that was left was witnessed by the bright quaff goddess of the three faces of the moon. Tender-hearted Hecate descended to the underworld to watch over her charge and make sure the inexorable one did no harm to the child. Our Lady, already sovereign in this timeless realm, received her. My sister... Be most welcome for as long as you stay. Like you, I have come by my own stirrings and will not raise till my season has come. You know I am not here by force, nor by stealth. Go above and assure my mother it is so. I will come also of my own free will, not yet until the time I deem. Hecate sped to her task and found our verdant mother brought low. The great goddess in mourning for the loss of daughter love. In vain having sought her child high and low. 
Deo brought the death of below to the earth above. Everywhere was desolate. Nothing new. Only skeletons left of the life. Said Hecate to our exquisite bearer of fruit, Put away your wrath, luxuriant Demeter. Your daughter sends word. She has taken up her lot. Not a mere shadow of your greatness. A queen in her own right with honor and might. Hades, lord of the sleeping and the dead. He who is known by many names. The invisible one. The unseen. Good counselor. Has chosen her. And she, him. With the daughter of creation, he shares his glory, equal rulers, and not an unfit husband. But Demeter, good mother, sorrow had hardened her heart, and she would not cede until she saw with her own eyes the well-being of her daughter. Humans went hungry. The gods were starved. No food nor sacrifice was brought forth from the barren land. A hard year passed while Demeter mourned. Just a drop full of moments in the timeless realm. At last the Olympians bid Hermes go intercede. Wily messenger of the gods, no gate kept him out. Like lightning he sped from the white heights of Olympus to the depths of the darkness below to beg our lady, return to the light. He was expected. No doubt he was. We knew of your quest before it was bestowed. A voice like the rumblings in the bowels of the earth. Our lady's husband on his throne of stone. And she, our compassionate one, amongst the immortals the soul to die, turned to her lord a song on her lips. I will be back, a promise I sow by eating the fruit that binds me to you. The fruit of the blood-red pomegranate, bone white in pith, hidden seeds which stain does not fade. Our Lady, dark light deeply hid, gave rise and with her the coming of spring and the renewal of all. My children, come back, come back to the world of form. Hail the rise of Persephone with feasts and color. Spring is upon us, and green Demeter does grow in glorious abundance for a moment or so.
are listening to The Bohemian Beat and we just heard Azam Ali with Spring Arrives and before that Tia Blatt reading her epic poem Hymn to Persephone recorded at Byron Bay SAE Studios especially for The Bohemian Beat and thanks to Scaria for soundscaping. Well, we have come to the end of the hour. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. And for more information and podcasts, check out thebohemianbeat.com. We will be back next week. Same beat time, same bohemian frequency for more epic adventures into poetry. We will end with a track by Eliza Gilkinson called Persephone. Thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. Daunting